Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. So, what would you like your life to be like 20 years from now? Uh, in the first service, you know, I looked around and I was able to say that, you know, probably for most of you, that it's very, you know, feasible you could make 20 years, 20 more years. But in this audience, I'm not quite so sure. Uh, some of you, my friends, are uh, in your 80s already. Um, but you never know how much time God will give you. So as we look at our lives, whether it's next year or five years from now, 10, 12, whatever we have from, some of you like, uh, you know, you may have 60, 70 years left, some of you who are here. What do you want your life to look like? What do you want it to be? And, and sometimes we feel like we have no control over it. I mean, so I've been here as a pastor for 35 years, uh, 18 of those years as an associate pastor in the last 17 years as a senior pastor. And I'd be honest with you, if looking at it from way back there, there are a lot of things happen I had no clue was going to happen. Some really great things, some really hard things, you know. Um, but yet, part of what my life is about today, and awful, in fact, an awfully lot of what my life is like today, is the result of my own doing. And God's working, obviously, but you understand what I'm saying. It's not just happenstance. And, and the reality is, is that there, are, there is something that we can do to, to impact what our lives will be like in the future. And we're going to see that today in the life of Daniel. As we come down to almost the end of our, our summer, uh, sermon series, A Great Cloud of Witnesses, looking at these true stories from the Bible. Uh, today in Daniel's life, we're going to see some things that are just very powerful. Uh, that will help us if we learn them and put them into practice to be able to impact our life, whether we have another year or 20 years, and to end up where the Lord wants us to be and where we want to be. So take your Bibles and turn to Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 6. In the Bible that's there in the chairs, I believe it's page 1027. If you want to follow along with us there. Chapter 6 in Daniel in verse number 1. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. What kingdom are we talking about here? Well, let's do a little review. Uh, let's look at some maps here and see where we're at. Of course, we all under, you know, recognize the Middle East here and Israel here. Well, in our stories, if you remember, we started over here with Abraham because Abraham left this area, the Fertile Crescent, and came down this way and came into the land of what is now Israel. Then we read our stories, we got to Moses and Israel, and they were in Egypt. They ended up down there, came out, left, went up there in the wilderness out here for 40 some odd years, and then they finally come back across uh, into this land. Um, and the stories we've been looking at have been happening there pretty much. So let's go to the next slide. What happened in the, in the nation of Israel, we had the story of David and then we had Solomon. After that, there was a, a breakup of the nation of Israel, uh, actually to north and south. And the northern kingdom broke away from the southern kingdom, which was the descendants of David and Solomon. The northern kingdom 
uh, broke away from that. And not only did they break away from the rule of the southern kingdom, they also broke away from the faith of the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom uh, got involved in all sorts of idolatry and wickedness and sinful behavior. Well, God eventually judges that in a nation, okay? And so uh, what happened is he brought uh, a nation from over here, Assyria, came in, Assyrians were brutal, but they came in and basically uh, took everybody out of the land and, and replaced it with other people and, and just, uh, yeah, just very, very brutal. Now, the southern kingdom wasn't that far behind. They, uh, uh, within 100, 150 years, they also turned away from the Lord and got involved in idol worship and uh, eventually God removes them from the land as well. The, the Babylon comes in and takes them captive. And here's the city of Babylon, but this whole area became uh, under the sway of Babylon, okay? And so what we find is Daniel's story here. Daniel, when he gets taken away down here about 586 BC, they take him up and over here to Babylon. Let's go to the next map, just to kind of set it to where we are. So this is modern Iraq that, that Babylon would have been about here. This is where Baghdad is and, of course, modern Iran. So this is where our story is taking place today. Daniel has is, is been here for a long time. In fact, Daniel, in the time of this story that we're going to read, is in his 80s. So some of you out there today can relate, okay, to his situation. He is in his 80s, still going strong. So let's start again in verse number one. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So this whole kingdom of Babylon, they appointed 120 different government rulers over the different areas. And then over them, they appointed three governors. And one of those was Daniel, all right? And their responsibility was to be stewards of all this and make sure that uh, the king's um, uh, interests were being protected there. So let's read on, verse number four. So the governors, oh, excuse me, verse number three. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to, gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. All right, so something about Daniel stands out. Even at 85 years of age, there is something about Daniel that stands out. It says here there was an excellent spirit in him. Well, this one, the Bible in the Old Testament talks about a spirit in someone. It's, it's really talking about their attitude, their demeanor, how they come across, how they interact with people. And Daniel just had this, this way about him that was just so positive and so good, so right, okay, an excellent spirit. But we also know something else, and that's that he was that way because the Holy Spirit worked in his life, right? God was at work in his life. We know Daniel uh, is, is a man who has committed himself to God and living the way God says, and, and it begins to show up in his life. And, and do you know that if you will yield your life to God the way Daniel did, that you too will be seen as having an excellent spirit. There will, it will be evident in you that there's something different about you. And because there's something different about you, everyone will love you, right? 
Oh, good, you were paying attention. No, just because you're doing everything good and right. In fact, sometimes it brings the opposite. And in this case, it does here. Let's, let's look. Verse number four. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. So the king is saying, wow, it's Daniel. Daniel, he must have been talking. I'm thinking about putting Daniel over everybody. And that would have taken away this authority, you know, from these other two governors. They wouldn't have had as much authority. And, and so they, they aren't like, by the way, doesn't this sound like modern politics? Right? We got to dig up some dirt on this guy, Daniel. Okay, so we can get rid of him. And so they go to work trying to find something on him. Okay. Um, so, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. So Daniel, man, he, he was faithful. He did what he was supposed to do. He did it for the right reasons. He, he genuinely watched out for the interests of the king and, and they could find nothing to accuse him of. Verse number five, then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. What an amazing thing. You know, if, if a bunch of people went out and began looking at your life and they had access to your records and they had, you know, they could hear in your conversations and they, they knew all about you, could they find something to rightly accuse you of? It's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? But we see Daniel had come to live his life in such a way, and he wasn't perfect, I'm, you know, he's human. But he had lived his life so faithfully in such a way that they couldn't find anything at all. The only thing they could find was that he worshiped this God. And so they said, if we can find something to accuse him about that, then we got him. But other than that, we can't find anything. Now, can I encourage you to begin living your life that way? Begin living your life in such a way that if people had access to it and can look at you and watch, that they couldn't find anything to accuse you of except that you are a real Christian. Well, that's a high bar, isn't it? But let's, let's don't just say, well, yeah, okay, yeah. No, let's get serious about the God, I want to live my life in such a way that the only thing people can rightfully accuse me of is being a Christian and living like a Christian. Can you, can you set your heart on that today? Okay, God, that's where I want to be. I want to be like Daniel in that. Now, notice that um, in, in our world, there, it, it knows if you say, okay, I am going to do that. God, I'm going to give my life 100% to you. I am going to live it from the time I get up to the time I go to bed at night in the way that you say I should live it. And yeah, I know I still struggle with this and that. I need your help with that. You know, I don't got it all together, but I, this is what I want to do. And I'm, I'm committing myself to this to, to do that. Once again, it will get noticed. It will get noticed. And there'll be one or two responses to you. One of the responses will be some, some people look at you and admire you for it. They will say, wow, look at you, you know, this person. I wish I could be like you. And they, you know, they might be inspired by that and, and they respect you and they speak well of you to other people. That happens, okay? 
Because the Lord is attractive. And when people see the Lord in your life, it, it can be very attractive to them. But then there are always some other people who are on the other side who will despise you because you were that way, who will reject you and, and, and scorn you. And I think, I really think, you know, rather than being terribly hard on these people, I think because of what they've experienced in life, they just have a really hard time believing that could be real, you know? That someone could really be like this. There's gotta be an angle here. There's gotta be something. And, and it, it also kind of shines a light on them and they don't like that. And, but so those are the two kinds of responses you're gonna get. And so people will begin to look for uh, things in your life to accuse you. Don't make it easy for them. <laughs> we wanna live like Daniel. I had a friend who told me once that we're all gonna suffer. We're all gonna suffer in life. He says, and you got a choice. Are you gonna suffer for doing what's wrong? Or are you gonna suffer because you did what's right? And the Bible even challenges us about this. In Peter's letter, first letter, he says this, but let none of you suffer as a murderer. Go ahead and go to that if you would, Mitch. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. And don't, if you're gonna suffer, don't do it because you're doing what's wrong. No, he says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So if, if the only thing they can accuse you of is being a real Christian, praise the Lord. So we wanna work to be like Daniel and live that way. All right, let's get back in the scripture here. Verse number six. So they, they gotta find a way to turn Daniel's uh, belief in God and his religious practices into something that's against the law. Verse six. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever, which is how they addressed kings. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, I think they've lied. Do you think they've lied? Because verse seven, all the governors of the kingdom. How many governors were there? Three. Do you think Daniel agreed to this? No, Daniel didn't agree to this. So they are lying to the king. And you understand, lying to the king, trying to deceive the king, if the king knew that, he probably would have punished that with death. They probably would have been executed. But they're working this scheme to get rid of Daniel. So what is the response, well, how's this going? Verse eight, now O kings, they continue to talk to him. Establish the decree and sign the reading so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians which does not alter. All right, so they're asking Darius to sign a decree that has his full authority. The law of the Medes and Persians, okay? What that meant back then, this is uh, the way things worked, is if a king wrote a particular kind of decree and said this is established as of the law of the Medes and Persians, it meant it could not be changed. It could not be changed. You couldn't amend it, you couldn't do away with it, it was fixed. So they're trying to, to back this king into a corner that he doesn't know he's getting backed into. All right, so what's he do? Verse nine, therefore King Darius signed the written decree 
He signed it. He liked this idea, right? Nobody in the kingdom can, you know, petition or pray to anybody but me. Um, they flattered him. Flattery is a bad thing. What is flattery? Flattery is, is, is it's excessive praise, exaggerated praise, and almost always the person giving it has their own ulterior motives. They're saying this because they want something, they want to accomplish. That's what flattery is. So when somebody all of a sudden starts talking about, oh, how wonderful you are, and you're always this and you're always that, you let this little radiator go off. Wait a minute, this seems like flattery. Now, you can tell the difference, can't you? If someone comes on and says, hey, you know what? I want to thank, I want to encourage you. That's such a blessing to me when you did that and, and God really used it in my life. That's not flattery, is it? Do you know usually when you're getting flattered? How do you know usually when you're getting flattered? Well, first of all, you hear what they're saying, you think, well, that ain't true. <laughs> or you find yourself going, Oh, oh, and you start to, right? So wait a minute, wait a minute. Proverbs warns us about this. It says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. So when someone starts flattering you, watch out, okay? And don't be flattering others. And understand that if you give in to flattery and you go along with it, that's pulling at your pride. And James says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So let's, don't get caught up in flattery on the receiving end or on the giving end. So here they are. King has signed the law. Anybody who prays to anybody but him, lion's den. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Okay, let's just stop right there. Look up for a minute. What if you heard today that um, you heard this morning, last night, and this is crazy, I know, but you heard that anybody who goes to church tomorrow in a Bible-believing church, anybody who goes there, you're going to be executed. If you go, you're getting executed. And you go home. Would you have been a little worked up over that? Would you have a little anguish about that? Any anxiety about that? Would you have thought maybe I shouldn't go in tomorrow? I mean, you know, wouldn't that be natural? Okay, so Daniel's heard this. And it says he went home and what's he do? It says, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Two things I want you to see here. When Daniel got this news, rather than being all upset, he went and did what he always did, which was pray to his God. He got down on his knees, his, his, you know, the way he did things, he prayed three, day, uh, three times a day, he prayed to, he was putting into practice, by the way, Psalm 55, uh, David said, evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. And so this is what Daniel was doing. Uh, he didn't have to do it this specific way, but this is what he did. But here it is. If you pray to anybody else, you're going to die. Go home 
Get on my knees and what? Pray. How could Daniel do that? How could he not be so worked up and, you know, start with, but it doesn't, it's very practical, very matter of fact, he goes home, and that day, it says, he prayed three times, just like us. And then this, the other thing I want you to see, it says, as was his custom from early days. How long had Daniel been doing this? We don't know. He was a teenager probably when we first run into Daniel in Daniel chapter 1. So this is maybe 70 years later. So it probably started back then. For 70 some odd years, Daniel has made it his habit to talk with his God. To pray. Very likely maybe opening some passages of scripture. We don't know. But spending time with God on purpose, day after day after day, week after week after week, year after year after year for decades. So do you understand how it is Daniel could hear this terrible news that you know, would shake most people? How could he go and then just do this? Because what? He had been doing this for a long time long time. So you can already start to see that you, you have a, a, the ability to have a lot of say and a lot of control over what your life is like in the future. It was Daniel's choice that first day when he said, I'm going to pray to God like this. It was Daniel's choice when he chose again the next day to do it and the next year after year. Daniel chose that. And that's what enabled him to be able to stand so calmly and so firmly and strongly in the face of this really bad opposition. And so, once you understand, how you live your life affects what you experience today. How you've lived it up to this point. And here's a, a truth for you to, to, to uh, chew on. Your capacity for believing God today is the result of your manner of life in the past. Your capacity for believing God today is the result of your manner of life in the past. Because see, here's the thing. We're going through life, crisis comes. Nobody all of a sudden becomes a person of great faith when a crisis hits. Nobody. Because what the crisis does is reveals what your faith is like. And what your faith is like depends on what you've been doing leading up to this point. Does that make sense? In other words, the crisis is like taking a tea bag and you put it in the hot water. The crisis is the hot water and the tea bag is you. And you, it puts it in the hot water and gets swished around and sometimes gets squished, right? And, and what we find out is what's inside the tea bag comes out when it gets put in the hot water. And that's the way it is with you and I. When we come into a crisis, what's really on the inside is going to come out. All right. And so if we want to find ourselves in the middle of crisis, and crises do come into our lives, right? If something happens to us, it's something that's going on in the life of a loved one that we can't seem to fix or do anything about. It's, it's whatever, all this crisis, okay? We need to be living where we're doing like Daniel. Have a custom of life, approach to life where we are growing in our relationship with God and growing in how we live that out and and. So when the crisis comes, we have the faith to be able to trust God. And he does grow us there, but 
It's, it's going to reveal it. Now, you could be here today starting to say, wow, this is really bad news. This means today I am stuck with what I've done before. Well, there's truth to that, but tell you what, this is not bad news. This is really good news because what it's saying, if God gives you another day, today you can do something to prepare for it. You know, you can start living today and tomorrow and the next day to prepare for what's going to happen next week and next weeks for what's going to happen next month and then years down the road, however many God gives you. Do you see, this is good news. You can sow good seed today. You can sow good seed tomorrow and the next day. And then when the crisis comes and you get put in the hot water and we see what comes out, you can be like Daniel and be calm, at peace. God is going to work. Did Daniel, I mean, what, would, what did Daniel think when he, he decided to go home and kneel down and pray? My guess is he probably thought, well, I'm probably headed for the lion's den. But he did it anyway, didn't he? Um, all right. Let's, let's go back to our story here. Verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God, as they knew they would. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. He realized he had been caught. He realized what had happened now. Okay, and he favored Daniel, remember? He admired Daniel, he trusted Daniel. Now he's put Daniel in this situation. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. So he's trying to find a loophole. He's trying to find a way out, some way that he can not have Daniel have to go to the lion's den. Verse 15, then these men approached the king and said to the king, no, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And he, King Darius sounds like he really believes, doesn't he? Well, we're gonna see in a little bit that this wasn't as confident as it sounds here. This was, I hope. Verse 17, then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. I want you to see something here. Daniel's faithfulness, not for one year, two years, Daniel's faithfulness for over 70 years does not prevent him from ending up in the lion's den. You know, we have a tendency to think, well, if I live right and I do what God says, and I, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but when I, if I just do that, then God will, will keep me from that stuff. Not true. 
There have been a lot of people in our world who have died for their faith. They have died saying, no, I won't renounce Christ. They have died because they are Christians, faithfully following God. And God was under no obligation to deliver Daniel. Now, see, we know the rest of the story, don't we? Daniel didn't know the rest of the story, did he? For all Daniel knew, he thought, maybe I'm going to go meet this God I have prayed to three times a day for the last 70 years. So just know that living faithfully doesn't mean that there won't be hardship, doesn't mean there won't be persecution, doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to you. But here's the good news. Daniel in the lion's den is right in the middle of God's will for his life. How do we know that? Because he got there by what? Living for the Lord, following the Lord. Following the Lord got him into that situation and that meant he was right in the middle of God's will for his life. Paul and Silas beat almost to death for preaching the gospel. They are what? Right in the middle of God's will for their lives. And so what do they do? They, they know this and they worship God. They sing to him, even in their terrible pain. Because I want you to understand something. Being in the middle of God's will in the lion's den is incomparably better than being in the richest palace in the world, enjoying the best life you ever could, but being out of God's will. And do you know that people who live in the richest palaces, living the good life, do you know the crisis still comes into their lives? It does. But so here's the thing, when you find yourself in crisis and something is happening, there's something that is so freeing when you know I am here because I am being faithful to God. And if, because if you aren't, if you're saying, oh boy, am I here because I haven't been faithful to God? And man, it really starts to undermine your confidence because I'm here because of this. No, 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 I'm here because I'm doing what God has told me to do. Wow, I am in the center of God's will for my life. No better place you could ever be. Um, I'm gonna skip that uh, slide there, Mitchell, okay? So Daniel didn't know the rest of the story. The king didn't know the rest of the story. Let's begin reading the rest of the story, verse 18. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice. So we hear this, this is where his, you know, he wasn't as confident as he's seen before. Now he's concerned with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God 
So God sends an angel and shuts the lion's mouth. Now, I don't know if it was an angel actually physical, or physical, an angel actually showed up and, you know, but that kind of picture where the angel steps in and says, okay, hold on, hold on, boys, wait, wait. I know you're hungry, but you gotta wait a while. This guy's not on the menu, okay? This is miraculous though, isn't it? And I got a feeling that Daniel, that after he got over the initial, you know, the lions, he, he probably went over and laid down against one of them. What had a lot of lion purse? <sighs> but he sleeps with the lions that night. And then he comes out the next day. This is a miracle of God. I mean, who made the lions? God made the lions. So God can say, okay, boys, you're not eating right now. Not eating tonight. Just wait. Okay? I got some more food coming for you. Um, just wait. So Daniel comes out. But I want you to see something here. I mean, once again, God could have let Daniel be killed. Daniel would have gone to heaven, right? Good news for Daniel. God has other purposes in mind, so he rescues him. But either way, um, there's a truth I want you to know and understand here. See, Daniel had purpose to live his life for the Lord, hadn't he? I mean, that's evident by the way he lived, 100%. And I've challenged you already today to, you know, to give your life 100% to the Lord, to glorify him. I want to live that way, Lord. I want you to be known through me. Sometimes when we think about doing that, we get nervous about it or, or, or concerned or even afraid. Well, well if I do that or if I, but this or that, here's what I want you to understand. You never need to be afraid. Go ahead and put that up if you would, Mitchell. God can do whatever needs to be done in your life so you can glorify him. God can do whatever needs to be done. So if you will set it in your heart or mind, I am going to give my life 100% to the Lord from here on out. Yeah, I'm not perfect. I know I'm working, but I'm serious about this. I, God, my life is your life, and I want to live it in a way that shows that you're real and that your word is true, and I'm going to live this way. You don't need to be afraid of anything. Because God can do whatever needs to be done. You've made it your harsh desire to glorify him. And if God needs to work a miracle for you to do that, he'll work a miracle. If he doesn't need to work a miracle, he won't. But either way, you'll glorify God with your life. Don't be afraid to give your life 100% to the Lord. Not today, not tomorrow not for the rest of your life. So today I want to challenge you to live like Daniel, to, to live in such a way that when the crisis comes, you can have faith in God and God can work in your life in a way that brings him great glory. And you can do that. What you have to do is like Daniel. What's the custom of your life going to be? What is your practice going to be? Are you going to make it a point to, to spend time with the Lord each and every day? Grow in your understanding of who he is, what it's like. Take steps of faith to live those things out. And you do that again and again and again. That, it's, it sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? That's not always easy because there are battles along the way. But give your heart to the Lord. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid because he can do whatever needs to be done in your life to glorify him, and that's what you've already settled.
that you want. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and the story, a true story of Daniel and how you shut the lion's mouths. Lord, we, we don't even know how many lion's mouths you may shut around us that we aren't even aware of. But we want to be like Daniel here, Father. We want to, be, to have a practice of life, whether we have a year left or 40 years left, Lord. We want to today and tomorrow and the next seek you, be yielded to you, grow in our relationship with you, live a life that truly glorifies you. So stir us up for that, Father, and don't give us any peace until we say yes to you in that. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.